This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hello, Barbara. So you know what we've been talking about for a long time, you know, the, the, the innovative stuff that's going on in marketing today and you know kind of what what is on the cutting edge of what people are interested in consumers journalists are talking about in terms of marketing all of these sort of new issues and topics to be thinking about you know particularly in the, in the time that we live in right now with with this pandemic and so on and so i'm wondering do you are, are you learning a lot about these you know kind of new digital platforms are you on any of these new digital platforms do you have any ideas about how you know, marketers are potentially using these new platforms and, and in what ways? And what are your thoughts on this? And have you got anything for me to tell to educate yeah. me on this stuff? You know, I'm on some of them. I'm not sure I'm on them the right way, but I'm definitely <laughs> on them. Yeah. Um, but we do have an expert with us today who can probably explain them a little bit better than I can. And that is Scott Nover, who's a platforms reporter at Adweek. And he covers social media companies and their influence. And so he's been really on top of all of this stuff. So, Scott, thank you for joining us thank and helping us through this maze. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. Scott, I'm just like, I can't keep up with this stuff man i mean it's like the moment i figure out okay i i just think i learned what that tiktok thing is they say okay well you better learn what this clubhouse thing is and as soon as i i understand a little bit of that and it's okay you better learn what this triller thing is and all of these stupid th- i mean come on i mean my my attention span is only limited so we're, we've got it you've got to get us up to speed very quickly on this stuff there's only so you much know, time for the day yeah yeah really let me you know with what um, america said when you start talking about this also if you could kind of something he said that was kind of interesting if you could kind of classify these platforms as you start to talk about them like Facebook is kind of for everyone and some of them others were more for limited niche groups and they actually don't want everyone to know about them so I wonder if that's a classification that's important in thinking about these platforms yeah I think audience is everything right I mean Facebook kind of and and it's important to realize also that these platforms evolve I mean Facebook wasn't for everyone when it started right it was for Ivy League students Mm. well first it was for um, Mark Zuckerberg's friends at Harvard, and then it was for people at Harvard, and then it was for people at Ivy League universities, and then people at universities. So these things open up, they evolve, and the audience and kind of the point of them changes uh, pretty rapidly. So I think that's important to know when we're kind of talking about this. And so, yeah, I agree that um, I, I feel like for a while we kind of hit a lull in terms of new social media platforms coming. And then like last year was all about TikTok. And then um, kind of the the end of, of 2020, early 2021, you really start hearing a lot about this Clubhouse platform, which has been around in some form for about a year, but it's been invite only, kind of like Facebook mm-hmm. in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of all opened up uh, late fall, early winter, uh, with more people having more of these invites. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, yeah, so basically what Clubhouse is, is it an audio conferencing platform uh, it's a social it's a social network, but basically you you can kind of open up the app and see different 
kind of uh, conversations that people are having about different topics. Um, it's most people liken it to a conference or a a uh, group of different podcasts with different themes, mm. um, but it's all interactive. There's kind of hosts or moderators that lead the discussion. There's a virtual audience that you can interact with if you want to raise your hand. Um, and so the kind of uh, structure of it is not really that new. It's, you know, it very much mimics a conference or, um, or a, a series of podcasts. Um, but it is pretty new in terms of being an audio only platform um, on social media. And in the kind of coming in the in the recent weeks, uh, Twitter has la launched a, a similar product and Facebook has announced that they're kind of looking to, to copy their own. So um, I think audio is really uh, something that people are going to be looking out for in 2021 and, and um, in the social media context, which would actually be pretty new, I would say. Scott, do you have any uh, any any information on who started this company? Like, what are the who are the backers? Who are the who are the? Did it just pop up suddenly? I mean, how? What's the the a little bit of the history behind this? Because it seems to have exploded expo exponentially in terms of growth and in awareness. Yeah, the um, there's two co-founders, uh, Paul Davidson and Rohan Seth, and they started about a year ago. It had a different name that I'm blanking on right right mm -hmm. now, but. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically backed by um, a lot of the largest venture capital firms in Silicon Valley, um, and including Andreessen Horowitz, um, and and so that's kind of that kind of population um, of of kind of Silicon Valley VCs and and those and people associated with that with mm -hmm. that um, that world really populated the early stages of this. Mm -hmm. um, of this, uh, of who was on the platform uh, in the spring, in the summer, even into the early fall. And now you're really seeing it open up to people that don't work in the tech sector um, or work uh, analogous to the tech sector. So um, it is, uh, it's opening up, yeah. So why do you think it's audio? Is that so it's so you don't have to be in front of your computer and you can go running with it or something huh. like that? I mean, is Barbara, that... are you are you planning on going into a clubhouse during your workout? Are you like yeah, I'm just wondering if that is that the advantage of podcasting versus zooming or yeah, I think I think that that's definitely a, a, a an advantage. I mean, I I know people who um hmm. who who are can walk down the street and you know go for their their morning walk or something while being a part of huh. you know a panel conversation or, or whatnot on Clubhouse or listen to a pod, podcast or an audio book, and I think you've kind of seen uh, a boom in audio in the last few years with with podcasting certainly and mm -hmm. um, and 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 the rise of Spotify and the rise of audiobooks and Amazon's Audible and all these different uh, audio first kind of um, media. Uh, and I think this kind of carries on that same uh, that same trend, uh, and so we really haven't seen that with social media. So it's so it's interesting. But yeah, you can you can go for a walk, and and uh, as long as you have Wi-Fi or or, uh, or data, you can be a part of this conversation. Well, you know that this is like the beginning of the end when the New York Times devotes a whole session to it. But this weekend in the New York Times, they had this whole session. Wait a minute, session. Barbara, are you, are you saying this is the kiss of death when the New York Times covers <laughs> well, it? Well, it just means the establishment's totally on this. And, oh, no. I mean, I and see. in fact, what they were saying about podcasts in the New York Times special edition was pretty, right now it's a free-for-all and it's mm. kind of free and almost anybody can start a podcast and you mm -hmm. can get on the platform. Mm -hmm. But, and Scott, I'm sure you know know more about this if you're the expert on this but they're going to start paying charging us it's not going to be free forever oh, and the idea that just you and me can start a podcast that nobody's paid attention you know and all of a sudden we can be the next big 
marketing podcast. That's not going to be so true soon. The part of it is because there's just so much clutter, but there's also right now it's relatively free to start one of these things Uh and it's free to download all these podcasts. But I believe that there's talk about changing that whole setup and having more gatekeepers to it. Do you know anything about that? I know a a little bit about that. I think that, I think that as long as there are podcasts, there will be free podcasts and and the upstart costs will be relatively low. That being said, I think that um, Spotify uh, has gotten more serious about uh, about its podcasting business and which is which is all free, um, though they have a, a subscription to be um, in the kind of premium tier of, of, of Spotify and not have ads. Um, but then Apple Apple pod Apple Music has uh, is kind of starting to pay for exclusive rights to, I think, paid podcasts. So I think that's that's where a lot of the movement and kind of uncertainty is around, around whether they can build kind of a market for paid podcasts, um, which is kind of ironic considering Apple, you know, the iPod and, and really coining the term, you know, yeah. podcasting <laughs> 15 years ago. Um, and so I, I'm, my understanding is I'm not an expert in that space, but I think that uh, Apple is more serious about about paid podcasts, but I think there'll always be a, a, I think there'll always be free podcasts and, you know, uh, or, or, or podcasts that, you know, you, you can access, you know, half of them if you don't pay and, you know, all of them, if you pay and kind of that tier. I see. So tiered kind of tiered payment. Yeah. Yeah. What I've been Barbara, I mean, what, what, see, this is interesting because I was recently uh, conceptualizing my feelings about social media and I was on YouTube the other day. Barbara, and I'll share this with you and get your point of view on this as well, Scott. And I was so annoyed, Barbara, with just the the, the bombardment of the commercials and the stuff coming on. I'm just, I, you know, I remember your husband actually, Barbara, got me, was the first person to say, go look at this YouTube.com. And I spent 12 hours straight, just like- <laughs> Right I, down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, and I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. And I was comparing that first experience, Barbara. And I was like, I, I kind of hate it now. And I get the little thing that says, okay, do you want to pay for it so that you don't have any of the stuff? And it's kind of like, I don't actually, because you've kind of taught me that it's free and we're like engaging and all this stuff. And so I wonder as marketers try to use this stuff or like start telling stories about brands in the clubhouse or- doing marketing in the clubhouse or like ads start coming up. I wonder if there's a threat to the whole kind of purity of, of the original kind of quote art form, if you will, or, or platform. And, and is that to, to Barbara's point, when that happens, it's like basically all over. Yeah. Let's go premium. Yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting because we're kind of at this inflection point. Well, well, I think first, like all of these things start out free, right. And they all, you know, in Silicon Valley, the way the valuations work with these companies is all about user base and all about growth before, you know, monetization. It's all about the potential for monetization, right? Um, and then, you know, so so these companies kind of start out free or cheap and then they introduce ads or they introduce some sort of kind of revenue model. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always an element. And then I think that there are, um, there have been kind of this other tier of, of kind of paid media companies, which um, uh, or new kind of digital platforms that are seeking to, you know, uh, pay creators more directly. Um, you know, obviously there's YouTube and TikTok, which have kind of creator programs and things like that, but also the sub stacks of the world and Patreon and, mm-hmm. um, and um, Cameo, if you will, for celebrities or mm. some of these other kind of, or OnlyFans, which is popular in the adult <laughs> industry and yeah. uh, has mm-hmm. some bleed over elsewhere. 
Um, and so that, I think that's a current as well. And then I think what you're kind of getting at is like, what's the tension when these platforms that have always been free start introducing paid products? And that really came to a head this week when Twitter announced that they were going to have like, I think it was called Super Follows or Super Followers. Super Follow. Like oh no. What's a, what's a no. Super Follow? No. Just, just this like groan uh-huh. of a moment because um, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, no one's ever paid for for Twitter mm. and the way that they make money is on ads and mm. um, and so I think there is some sort of way that they're going to allow users on Twitter to paywall their tweets or something like that oh, and, no. and I, you know I don't know I don't think that's going to be the predominant way that Twitter works but it is it's always uncomfortable when these platforms introduce some sort of you know, uh, some sort of wall between users and creators. And there isn't that many, that many barriers between users and creators on Twitter. You know, it's just, right, you know, right. what is, what is, what is, what are content creators that need to be paid for their money and uh, for their, for their art or their creation or whatever. And what are users just having a conversation with one another? And that's mm-hmm. kind of always been the beauty and kind of democratizing impact of, of Twitter, I think. So I think there's a lot of different threads there, but it is, it's an inherently weird thing when when one of these platforms that you've never paid for starts saying, "Well, maybe we can take some of the some money off your hands." Mm. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm here with my co-host Americus Reed, and this is Marketing Matters. And today we're joined by Scott Nover, who is a reporter at Adweek, and he's getting Americus and me up to date on the hottest, newest, bestest things in the social media world. And we're talking about Clubhouse. And you started to talk about what it was. You defined it. It's more of an audio. It's kind of a combination of house party and a podcast <laughs> and a conference and all these other things. I like that um, house party. That's awesome, Barbara. <laughs> it's a house yeah, party. Well, cool. Yeah, so that's another kind of app where you can come in and talk to people and kind of interact. But um, Americus was, was asking, and I'm curious to know how this works also, in Clubhouse, if a brand does want to get involved, exactly what does the brand do? Maybe I would imagine, to Americus's point about interruptions and irritation, the more organically involved it gets into the conversation, the better it's going to be. But it, can you give us examples of a brand that's done this well? Well, I think it's important to... It's really it's really an interesting question because there's there's no simple answer um, right now on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is super professional. It's like mm. it's like LinkedIn, you oh. know, that kind of professional, you know, gotcha. but, but maybe a little bit more natural. Um, but they don't want brands to be brands on the platform. They want executives or they want employees on the platform, and they don't really want Wendy's Twitter voice to be on. <laughs> You know, on on Clubhouse, they don't want the whole brand voice. They want people, not. Yeah, and so I think it's, huh. or, or at least that's how it is now. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think what you're seeing is the um, the brands that are embracing it more are more so companies that are putting their uh, executives out. For example, like Burger King uh, did like a financial report on mm. their like, in conjunction wow. with their uh, quarterly earnings. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I think uh, Fernando Machado. Dangerous is what it is. I know. It's it's a a brand safety nightmare. Um, (laughs) But um, no, but it's also really, I mean, if you can kind of keep control of it, it could be a really cool way to to talk to your audience. And it is more of a B2B kind of audience there. Mm. 
Um, That's really interesting because Americas and I have had um, many, you know, brand executives, et cetera, on our radio show. And we find that they tend to be pretty careful. Either they're only going to say what a public company can say right. or or they're selling. So it seems a lot of times, I mean, we try to unnerve them or get them to say things that are interesting, but they really do have a lot of guards up. And yeah. I would imagine... I'm serious about walking into this clubhouse, the wrong thing said at the wrong time, and your lawyer's not there, and then what happens? <laughs> or, or someone's mic is on. and Oh, a hot mic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, all the Zoom kind of foibles that we've seen, too. Yeah. Um, I think that it's there are kind of these content controls and brand safety controls that a company could use if they, if that's the way that they're getting involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, you can, if you're in charge of the conversation, you're the host, you're the moderator, you can kind of choose who's speaking and who has, you know, access and who you bring up to this, the virtual stage. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you want it to just be one person talking to another person in front of a large audience, like you would at a conference, mm. you know, um, then, then it's, probably pretty brand safe unless you kind of um you know, say something off the cuff or that you shouldn't say or whatever it's you know that's on you mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that the um, more kind of open the forum is then your brand is a part of it the more kind of risk is there so it's probably more for the um the risk averse kind of brands over the uh the more conservative ones um, and so that's kind of one way uh, that brands can get involved. Um, mm -hmm. There are, but I've seen other things. Some examples include um, Square and Square's Cash App did like a, a, um, a giveaway program where they kind of uh, sponsored a session with, uh, I think it was the Black Bitcoin Billionaires Club. Um, oh, and they were okay. giving away um, cryptocurrency. And that was kind of, they were behind the scenes and had huh. coordinated that. Um, so they're kind of more traditional, like underwriter relationships or sponsorships. Um, what else? Um, uh, the pizza app Slice had, um, there was this kind of like dating focused room for some reason. <gasps> And, wow. uh, and people were trying to like win a date and, um, and basically slice this, the, this like pizza app was, um, was sending a, a free pizza pie to anyone who, uh, who got rejected on this thing. It was on <laughs> Valentine's day. So there's oh, kind of, these kind of creative ways that yeah. brands are getting involved, but it's uh -huh. so early that there are no kind of, uh, guidelines at all. And then the other one I'll mention is that I just saw the Kool-Aid man, as okay. a brand kind of entered one of these sessions with um, Gary Vaynerchuk the other day. Oh no, Gary V. Okay. Okay. And, um, and I, and I can't for the life of you tell me what happened, tell you what happened. It was completely bizarre. And he just said, Oh yeah, a bunch. Um, <laughs> and it was complete chaos, but that was, <laughs> that was a brand. So how did, how did Gary V handle that? <laughs> uh, sort of a drop in by the Kool-Aid man. I think he was in on it. Though. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that is crashing a um a, a space is kind of the Kool Aid Man's thing. So yeah. I mean, that's kind brand, of. I mean, yeah. authenticity. That's kind right? of the shtick. Yeah. So Scott, are you saying that there are? So will will the platform allow anything? It's sort of like, how, will, are they allowed to sort of say, okay, we're not going to let you come on and do this? So what are the parameters? What are the contours? I thought it was invite only. First of all. It is invite only. So, but that being said, the the kind of the dam has burst a little bit, and yeah. uh, it's it's much easier to get an invite than it was um, mm -hmm. a few months ago, maybe November or so. Um, the the clubhouse has rules. They have, I guess, the rule that would be relevant there is that you're supposed to be a person with a 
first and last name, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, Kool-Aid. So Madonna's wouldn't... out. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, I think they'll let, uh, I think they'll let Madonna or, uh, or anyone named uh, Cher can get in. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I think that uh, this is that might eventually pose a threat to like brands that do want to be brands on the platform. Yeah. Um, but they're, I, I will say like Clubhouse is not a, I think there's like probably under 20 people that work there right now. Oh, I don't wow. think they're, they are moderating too, too much gotcha. right now um, because I think they're still kind of grappling with the, um, the surge that in users that they've gotten in the last few months. And they're trying to figure out what are the rules and how do we control this kind of thing that we've built? And, um, and That's one of those things is going to be like, what is the relationship between um companies that might want to work with clubhouse um or work with you know influencers on the platform you know for better or worse um and uh and 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 what their rules are going to be so um there there are ways that they're going to try to monetize i think there's going to be you know more traditional sponsorships that they'll allow or ticketed events and tipping events interesting tipping and some other things Mm, uh, that you could take advantage of but right now it is uh, it's really the wild wild west out there and how many users are on the platform how many active users are on the platform scott do you know that is a good question. I don't have that number right in front of me, but okay. I can try to pull that up. Yeah, and I think that's interesting, Barbara, because in some sense, I'm like trying to figure out, you know, at what point does it become? It's really interesting. It starts off as this organic thing that's meant to just be a community of conversations. And as soon as the marketers show up trying to say, okay, well, here's some brand stuff happening or some other stuff to monetize. I just wondered to what extent that annoyance factor comes into play and like how they're actually managing that right so they want to have yeah, do but they i want- think uh, i think that was the expectation all along that some point it would happen you know because you got to look for a way to monetize it at some point sure but like what is your strategy to make sure you don't implode implode the whole thing right because of the people who want to try to use it for particular ways and then it turns into something else um i think that's super interesting because in some senses the, the brands one thing that popped in my mind barbara and you can comment on this as well as and you too scott is it seems like a really nice form for like brand fandom, right? So like, so like, okay, we're all, we love Tesla. So we're going to have this giant Tesla community conversation and maybe Elon drops in and talks to people and like they have conversations about the brand and like the, the whole, the whole point is to like, you know, commiserate around the love of the brand. And at least in that case, the people who come into it are coming into it with that expectation that, you know, that that's what's going to be happening. And it is kind of a marketing thing, but it's not like I'm selling you something as much as it is a brand, a brand elevation kind of thing. What you're describing sounds like what used to be in Google Hangouts, you know, where they would have that kind of notion and a brand would, would encourage this community around their brand and around their conversation. That was a couple of years ago, Google Hangouts and that kind of brand conversation was pretty popular. And I'm not sure how this is different than that, but it sounds like similar to that. Can we change gears a little bit just because there was a lot in the news, Scott, and maybe you know about this with what was happening in Australia um, with the fight between Facebook and Google. And, and it's kind of 
germane to what we're talking about here because it's how some of these platforms change roles. You know, Americans was talking de about developing, going from a conversation to going to a brand community and how that changes it. And now Facebook and Google, as I understand it, in Australia, part of the issue there was people were getting their news and getting content and sharing news with um, on these platforms without paying the media or the content providers. And that's always gonna be a big fight in the social media world. Do you know, can you tell us what was going on in Australia on that and how that got resolved? Sure. So uh, basically, um, the Australian government just passed a new law, which says that um, that the, the largest tech companies, and this really only applies to Google and Facebook, have to um, are forced to go to the negotiating tables with uh, Australian news companies, um, and they need to set a fair market price. Um, they need to negotiate and find a, a agreeable price to for any news content that might appear on Google or Facebook. Um, and that can come with, you know, Google, which indexes kind of different news articles and links and has their Google News tab and some other products or Facebook, where it's just users kind of posting links to um, uh, or, or publishers posting their content to the platform. Um, and so the issue there is mostly resolved because um, Google struck a deal with kind of the biggest company, news companies in Australia, uh, particularly News Corp, uh, Rupert Norerich's News Corp, uh, to start paying uh, start paying for, for their journalism. Um, and, and Facebook struck a deal with the Australian government to kind of change the way that like, uh, the arbitration happens if they don't come to agreement. Um, so, so every party kind of has what they want, but it's kind of indicative of this anti-tech sentiment that a lot of different governments around the world are, 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 are feeling. And then kind of the tension between news companies and social media platforms, because those two companies are so dominant in the digital advertising world. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting issue. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your reporting? Sure. Uh, they can go to adweek.com um, or find me on Twitter at Scott Nover. Um, and uh, it's all pretty easy to find. Um, I cover social media companies and, um, and I appreciate anyone that uh, reads. So thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Thank you Scott. for your time and your wisdom. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.